All right, let's continue on. Let's continue on. Now, what if you have a problem that is so overwhelming? Let's go to Psalm 130, okay? What is, what do you do when you have a problem that is so overwhelming, you kind of feel like you're down in a well? You know, like you say, hello, your voice comes back to you, see? Well, David felt this way. Psalm 130, now notice. Regardless of how low you are, regardless of how you feel, God will hear you. God will help you. God will answer for you. Okay? So always remember that. Never get so discouraged that you think, God doesn't love me, God doesn't want me, regardless of your trials and difficulties, see? Now, David felt that way. So here in Psalm 130, verse 1, he says, Out of the depths I've cried unto you, O Lord. So he was feeling really overwhelmed. Lord, hearken to my voice and let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? Of course, no one would. Now notice verse 4. But there is forgiveness with you. Remember, he is ready to forgive. And forgiveness is the first step. And then being able to have the washing of the water of the word, the Holy Spirit in your mind, to help you to change the way that you're thinking. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. Now you see how that ties together. Washing of the water of the word. Now let's see again how this is likened unto cleansing. Because Christ wants to present the church holy and unblameable for him. Now let's come all the way to the New Testament. All the way to the New Testament. First John the first chapter. That's Santiago, isn't it? Okay, First John. Okay, First John. Very first chapter. Now John starts out and he shows that the whole focus of this is to keep your mind on God the Father and Jesus Christ. And that with the Spirit of God and doing so and going through the things that we have covered here, that you have a, a fellowship or relationship with God. Now, the relationship with God is always maintained by prayer, by love, by obedience, by yielding to God, by repenting when you sin. That's how it's maintained. Okay? So he says this, verse 6. Let's pick it up here. First John, the first chapter, verse 6. If we proclaim we have fellowship with him, but are walking in darkness. Now, darkness is the way of the world, the way of Satan, so forth. We are lying to ourselves and are not practicing the truth. So here is the way that human beings deceive themselves. Remember where we started. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. And so we lie to ourselves. 
to try and make ourselves think that it's not as bad as it may appear. Okay? We're lying to ourselves and do not practice the truth. Okay? So in practicing the truth, what is the truth? Your word is the truth. Your commandments are the, are the truth. Your precepts are the truth. Your way for, has, is the truth from everlasting. Now notice, when we come to repentance, when we change, when we're going the way that we need to go, now then we come into a different situation and relationship with God. Verse 7, however, if we walk in the light, as he is the light, is in the light, and he's the light of the world, right? The word is light. The commandments are a lamp to my feet, etc. Then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son, cleanses us from all sin. There again, notice, all sin. These things can be forgiven. And this is how then we change and grow and overcome. We are to be cleansed from the inside out, not the outside in. Because you know you know what Jesus told the scribes and Pharisees. He said, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. All you cleanse the pots and pans and wash yourself outside, but within you're full of dead men's bones and all kinds of uncleanness. And he said, cleanse the inside first, then all things will be well for you. So this is what he's talking about. Cleansing inside, because all sin begins in the mind. All sin then leads us in the way that we don't want to go. So that's why we repent of it. If we say we do not have sin, that's what people say today. Some of the greatest ones around say, appeal to your better self. Well, there is a better self. But your better self cannot bring you eternal life, because it's what? Still you. See? What you need is God and his spirit. Now, can you change your circumstances somewhat if you appeal to your better self to do better? Of course you can. But will that change the heart? Will that wash away all of the problems of the past? No, it won't. Okay. Verse 8, if we say we do not have sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Notice how that is very close to verse 6. Verse 6 and verse 8. If, now notice here is the key, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that's where we always come back to. Doesn't that tie right in with the Old Testament that we read that he is ready to forgive? that he forgives our sins and heals our diseases and removes them as far as the east is from the west. You see, the Bible agrees Old Testament and New Testament together. And cleanse us, see? That's what it said back there in Ephesians 5. To cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. So this is why when there is repentance and forgiveness, then what do you do? You replace the way that you have been thinking with the right way to think from the Bible. 
Now, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You see, part of the New Age religion is this. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no sin. You are the truth. The truth is in you. And all you have to do is discover the truth in you, and you'll be just fine. Now, that's just a sanitized version of, how shall we say, uh, the Hindu philosophy that you are God within. So if you discover yourself, you'll discover God. And as Deepak Chopra has said, you look in the mirror and you're God. I remember the first time I saw one of his books, it was entitled How to Know God. And I was on the plane flying up to Seattle. And so here's a woman reading that. And I just couldn't resist it. You know, sometimes you just can't resist it, see. And I glanced over, and I was reading part of it and so forth, and she was going along. And after she put the book down, and, you know, while the plane was landing, I said, oh, I notice you're reading this book, uh, How to Know God. And I said, I can guarantee you one thing. This man does not know God. See? Okay. How do we know God? See? With his spirit, but notice what it says down here. All right? Chapter 2 and verse 3. By the standard we know that we know him. What is that standard? If we keep his commandment. There you go. Now, some people keep some of them. Some people keep more of them than others. Some people don't keep any of them. But if you're Christ, then you know by this standard, you know him. So everyone who says, I know the Lord's going to church on Sunday doesn't know him because that's not the Lord's day. Now, they may know a Lord, but that is not the Lord of the Bible. Now, notice verse 4. John doesn't mince any words. The one who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Well, now, that's not being very nice to call someone a liar to his face, you know. I mean, remember what we've gone through here recently? We all must have civility in our political conversation. Yes, we're going to make all of those who are conservatives be kind and gentle. And all of those who are not conservatives and who are liberals on the other side will continue bashing you and attacking you because we're right, we're better than you are, we know more than you are, and you're just nothing but a bunch of hayseed hicks over here who know nothing. All right? Not what it says. The one who says, I do not know him and does not keep his commandments, or rather, correction, the one who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's how you judge everything, as you would say in the world, religious. Is there another power in the world? Yes, there is. Another God in the world? Yes, there is. He's called Satan the devil, and he comes as an angel of light. But notice, notice the obligation, and notice how this ties right in with what Paul wrote about the washing of the water of the word that he might sanctify us so that we would be holy and blameless. All right, notice. Verse 5. On the other hand, if anyone is keeping his word. Now that's a very interesting statement because word here in this case could also mean his whole message. 
everything that Jesus has taught. All right? Truly, in this one, the love of God is being perfected. And that agrees with Ephesians 5.25, the washing of the water of the word. Perfection comes bit by bit, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. And I think the older you get, the more you realize how weak you are and how you're dependent upon God for everything physical, every breath of air, every drop of water, every morsel of food, etc., you see. And how then when you look and analyze your, your life, especially if you're sick, you know when you're sick, you've been down and you're feeling really miserable, all right? Yes, you know, you need God, right? Okay. Truly, in this one, the love of God is being perfected. By this means, we know that we are in him. We understand it. See? We know Christ. We know God the Father. How? Through our relationship with him, through the Holy Spirit, through the commandments of God, through the word of God, and all of those things combined, see? Now, here's, here's the challenge to those who make religious claims. Verse 6. Anyone who claims to dwell in him. Now, notice what he is bound to do. Anyone says, well, I'm a Christian. Okay, fine. Anyone says, I love the Lord. Okay, fine. Anyone says, I love God. Okay, fine. Now then... What is the requirement? Anybody can say it. Okay. Verse 6. Anyone who claims to dwell in him is obligating himself. You put your foot in your mouth and now you got to eat it. <laughs> okay. Obligating himself to walk. That means as a way of life. Even as he himself walked. In other words, Christ is the goal. Christ is the model. That's the one that we're to shoot for. Now let's see how this is accomplished. Let's come to Colossians. Colossians, the first chapter. Okay? Colossians, the first chapter. Now how does God affect this, what is called conversion? He affects it through his spirit, through the washing of the water, by the word. Now, what does it do for us? And how are we to respond? And what does this do for our lives? All right, let's pick it up here in verse 9, Colossians, the first chapter, okay? For this cause, we also, from the day that we heard of it, that they were believing in Christ and so forth, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Okay? How do we be filled with the knowledge of his will? By studying his word. In all wisdom because it gives us wisdom and spiritual understanding. We see things as they actually are. Because the deceitfulness of our human nature has been, how shall we say, overwhelmed with the Spirit of God. It is still there as long as we're in the flesh. It's still there. But it's not guiding and directing and controlling us and gripping us, you see. 
be filled with the knowledge of His will. That's why we study the Word of God in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that you walk worthily. Notice how that ties in with 1 John, the second chapter. We're to walk as He walked. Okay? Here it is here. That you may walk worthily of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Now that's the most important thing. Now we can have a lot of knowledge concerning a lot of other things. I mean, those who, you know, design, build, and make rockets that go clear out into the universe, they've got a lot of knowledge, and they're really they're sending things out there into God's realm, aren't they? Huh? But do they have the knowledge of God? Well, most of them believe in evolution. Okay. Now here is how this is to be with the washing of the water of the word, verse 11. Being strengthened with all power, and that is through his spirit, according to the might of his glory, unto all endurance and long-suffering with joy. In other words, there is nothing in this life that we have to face that we cannot face with the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the truth of God, and loving Him and loving each other that we cannot face, that we cannot overcome. That's all a part of conversion, you see. Now let's go on a couple more verses here. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us qualified for the share of inheritance of the saints in light. Remember the end result of this is eternal life. It's not just to make you a better person. It's not just to cleanse your mind from sin. It's to cleanse your mind from sin to develop and have the mind of Christ. See? To walk in his way. To think as he thinks. To view things as he does, you see. Now, verse 13 is very important. This is what calling of God is all about. Because we know that Satan, the devil, is the prince of the power of the air. But notice where we are when we receive the Spirit of God, who has personally rescued us from the power of darkness. And that's Satan, the devil. Now, the Greek there is rescued. And the Greek there personally is very interesting because that is what is called a middle voice verb we don't quite have the same kind of thing in english but that means that you are the subject and you are also the object you see god has personally rescued us himself for himself see from the power of darkness and has transferred us unto the kingdom of the son of his love in other words Christ in us, the mind of Christ in us. That's the hope of glory. Now let's come down here to verse 14, one more verse here. And whom we have redemption through his own blood, even the remission of sins. Okay, come down here to the toward the end of the chapter. Let's pick it up in verse 26. Because what we're talking about is something that the world does not know. Now, the world is out there trying to solve its problems, trying to understand good from evil, right from wrong. They have some things right. They have some things that are not right. But they don't understand the power of it that comes from Satan the devil, and they don't re understand what is necessary for there to be the conversion. 
and the changing of our minds through the washing of the water of the word. Okay. Verse 26, even the mystery, that means secret. So if you ran a survey, since you're from New York, say you go down to Times Square and say, could you tell me the purpose in life? You get all kinds of answers. Can you tell me what God is doing? Can you tell me how that affects you? Have you ever had a an understanding of God? What do you believe concerning God? Have you ever read the Bible? Have you ever thought that the Bible contains in it everything you need for salvation? Okay. I doubt if you'd get one right answer. Okay. Most people say, oh, man, don't bother me. <laughs> Even the mystery that has been hidden from ages and from generations. See, because it wasn't made known until Christ came in its fullness except to the few that God called in the Old Testament. But has now been revealed to his saints, to whom God did will. It's God's will that you know to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, salvation, See? that you can become a spirit immortal being, a son or daughter of God, to live forever. That's God's plan, see. Most people think it's a soul that wafts off to heaven. No, it isn't. What is the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? See? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, in our minds and hearts, to lead us, to guide us, to convert us by the washing of the water, by the Word. Now notice verse 28 whom we preach, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, so that we may present every man perfect in Christ. That's what God wants. We come from being sinful and imperfect to being righteous and perfect, and that perfection then takes place at the resurrection. Now, as I've, I've done many times, I said, okay, take a pen, and just put a mark on a piece of paper. Okay, there you go. That's what you were. That's the size you were when you were conceived. Now here we are, all grown up. We look at that and we think, oh my, look at that. Don't. And we, we've got the uh, uh, online with Church at Home, Why Were You Born from the Speck of Dust to the Son of God? We have the first five up there now. Okay. Now then, today... Because of the pictures from space, we can say, all right, let's go out and look at the world from up in space. You can't see any human beings there. We're all still full-grown, a speck of dust. And just like the speck of dust that we were when we were conceived, and now we're full-grown, in a comparable sense, that's going to be the difference between what we are now and what we will be at the resurrection. See? So this is why God wants us to be perfected. All right. Make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in us, uh, in you the hope of glory. Okay. Now, let's look at some other scriptures here to show how 
we accomplish this. Come back here to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Just back a couple of pages. Okay. Now let's pick it up here in verse 12. See, because it's to make everyone perfect in Christ. And the whole reason we have Sabbath services and holy days and study the Bible is for this right here beginning in verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. That's accomplished by the washing of the water of the word. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now you talk about a goal for life, isn't that something? That's really something. That's what God wants us to be. Then he says, while we're still here living on the earth, so that you no longer be children tossed and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness, because all of these different ones out there, they know Jesus, they know Christ, they have this way, they have that way, and here's how we can help you, and all of that sort of thing. But unless it's according to the word of God, There may be some good things in it, but it's not going to amount to anything spiritually forever, you see. And cunning craftiness with a view to the systematizing of the error. Now, when Paul wrote this, there were false apostles and false prophets out there bringing another version of Jesus, bringing other ways, so-called, which there's only one way, and that's Christ, of salvation. Now we look and we look at organized Christianity. Have they systematized the error? Yes, how have they done that? By tradition. So much so that they have the audacity to say that we don't need the Bible any longer when God says it is the Word of God. But here's what we are to do. But holding the truth in love, There it is again, the love of God, the perfection of God, may in all things grow up into him who is the head, even Christ. Now, as God looks at the church, he tells what he is doing. God is working a work among his people wherever they are. And remember, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of you. So it's not about numbers, see. The first thing we need to learn about numbers is the is the lesson of Gideon. God said, Gideon, raise up an army. I want you to go against the Midianites. So he sent the word out. 32,000 men came. God said, that's too many. And here they were all anxious to go. I'm sure they had their bows, their arrows, their spears, their their swords, their bludgeoning things. Boy, you get hit with some of those. I mean, you, you watch on the History Channel some of the wars that they had in ancient Rome. I know Dolores and I were watching one where in one day 90,000 men were killed without an atomic bomb, okay? Spears and swords. And I'll tell you something. You get a sword going through the middle of you, that's it. You get one coming across the back of your neck or the front of your throat, it's over with. See, But it was interesting to see how men would go out and do those things. I tell you, 
God is doing something better. God is doing something greater. So wherever the people of God are on the earth, and we're few indeed because Jesus said we would be, you see. Okay. But here is the thing that's important. Verse 16, fitly framed and compacted together by that which every joint supplies. See, we won't recognize what God is doing till the resurrection. When that happens, we'll know. We'll see the finished product because we'll all be there, see. According to the inner working, the inner working, that is of God's Spirit, in the measure of each individual part is making increase of the body unto the edifying itself in love. Then he goes on and he says, don't do as the world. Don't go out there and live like the world and act like the world and do like the world. No. He says, coming down here to verse 22, that concerning your former conduct, because this is what it's going to result in, our conduct will be changed by the Spirit of God through the washing of the water by the Word that concerning your former conduct, you put off the old man. You keep working against the sin, against the lust, against those things that come against you, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what God is doing. That is the work that is being accomplished in you. Now, God has given us free moral agency. What we need to do is always choose to love God, to serve Him, to build our relationship with Him through study, through prayer, through the way we live, and all of these things all put together, see? And that's why we need Sabbath services. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need each other. And that's why we need the love of God. So that's what God is accomplishing now through the washing of the water of the word, so that you can overcome everything that is there. So let the word of God cleanse your heart, cleanse your mind, lead you and guide you in everything that you do. For our overseas offices, please check our website, www.cbcg.org.